Rachel Thompson, Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults at Second Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. You're listening to our podcast, Second on the Mount. It is my deeply held belief that the Word of God has something unique and powerful to offer to and through each one of us. It's my belief that the Word of God has something to offer you. My prayer is that God will use these human words of ours to bring encouragement, wisdom, and hope for the journey ahead. Thanks for listening, and subscribe if you enjoy. We're glad you're with us. Let us pray. Holy God, make room in our hearts to receive your word, that we might respond with joy and faithfulness. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore... Whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. And Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and our children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared to ask him another question. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection, asked Jesus a question. But they weren't really asking, were they? This hypothetical story of an outdated, even at the time, practice is not a real question. It's a trap in the guise of a question. And Jesus is smart. He sees right through the Sadducees' game, and he gets himself out of the trap by actually answering the question at face value with pretty well-reasoned logic. Okay, He says, you Sadducees only value the words of the Torah. You ignore the voices of the prophets and the apocalyptic writings. Fine. Here's some proof from Moses himself. 
When God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you hear any verbs in that sentence in the past tense? No. Therefore, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must be wrapped up with the living. Our God is God of the living, not the dead. So stop worrying about the details. You can't think of life in heaven in terms of life on earth. In the resurrection, everything will be different and made new. Jesus scores some points with the crowd by his answer because he's been able to simultaneously get out of the trap and address the underlying issue, the question about what God's good future will be like. Jesus is able to see beyond the surface and respond in a way that hits the heart of the real issue underneath. So that what becomes most clear by the end of this exchange is that the Sadducees started with the wrong question. In 1973, a man named Marty Cooper invented the first cell phone. At the time, he worked for Motorola, and they were deep in conflict with AT&T. AT&T was fixed on technology that would primarily be used to develop better and more car phones. But Marty Cooper at Motorola prioritized a different question. He asked, why does the phone have to be attached to a car? His question sparked his invention of the first portable phone and introduced to the world the concept of calling a person rather than a place. Now, you can't blame the guys at AT&T for not focusing on the portable phone question because their imagination of what the world needed was shaped by all the years of history of what they had known. Phones are attached to a physical location, so of course the car phone would seem to be the logical starting place. The questions we ask are always shaped by our experiences of the world. And the Sadducees are no different. Now Luke does not mince words when telling us about who the Sadducees are. This passage is the introduction of the Sadducees in the Gospel of Luke. And the very first, really the only thing that Luke says about them is that they say there is no resurrection, which we're clearly to understand is bad. Now, what we know from history is that the Sadducees were very particular about how they interpreted the scripture. For them, the only words that mattered were the written words of the Torah. And in those words, they said there wasn't any kind of assurance of life beyond death. And the ancient historian Josephus keys us into an important detail. He writes, that the Sadducees were able to persuade none but the rich. Which means that the Sadducees themselves were likely quite wealthy. And the ideas that they presented were only convincing to people in a certain social sphere. Now their social location is important because it helps us understand why they are more content than most others around them 
to accept the idea that this life is all there is. It's probably because comparatively, they have it pretty good. So this question that they ask, which isn't a real question, betrays the truth that because of their background, they just haven't grasped what God is doing in the world. They haven't grasped that God is about bringing new life. They haven't grasped that God's heart is with the plight of the poor and the oppressed. We can see right from the start that they're off base. They've missed the point. If they want to understand God, if they want to understand the resurrection from the dead, then they are asking the wrong question. But understanding isn't their goal. They have all the understanding they need. Their goal is to prove how right they are. Being right is intoxicating. I bet you felt it before. Being right, even if you don't tell anybody that you're right, it gives you a sense of power. It's a defense mechanism. When we're convinced that we are right, it keeps us from having to truly engage with other people. When I'm right, I don't have to wonder about where you're coming from. I don't have to take your argument seriously. I can ask questions that make it look as though I'm interested without letting your answer affect me because I know that I am right. This is the kind of question that the Sadducees are asking. But for a question to really be a question, it has to begin in curiosity. It has to begin in humility. It has to begin in openness, a willingness to lay aside the security of being right, a willingness to be moved. And that's terrifying. I think the first truth that this story offers us is that good questions are real questions. The first step towards growing in our understanding of what God's good future is like is to let go of the need to be right. We have to let go of the assumption that the interpretive strategies that work for us are the only or best ones there are. Whether we're talking about theology or our political convictions or our worship style or our habits of giving and serving we have to be curious. We have to be open. We have to be willing to be moved. Because if God really is the God of the living, if God really pulls humanity by love through death into glory, then our logical, reasoned arguments are nothing are questions that are designed to reinforce our sense of rightness, our sense of righteousness, are nothing. Being right feels powerful now. But in light of the power of God's resurrecting love, being right is nothing. And we have to be willing to let it go. We have to be people who ask good questions. In my experience, this church 
honors question asking as a central Christian virtue. That's something that I love about our church. And also, we're human. So like everyone else, we have some room to grow. Now, if you're looking for a refresher course on how to ask good questions, and if you want to make an effort to consider the kinds of questions that the world is asking of the church, I recommend spending some time with the youth and young adults of this congregation. In our young adult Bible studies, the group is relentless in their curiosity about Scripture, always looking for a fresh reading or a new angle. Am I right, Dylan? That's right. (laughs) And our youth, they ask questions all the time. You know, I'm most impressed with our youth when they ask questions that the rest of us just take for granted. We were on our youth retreat one year. I was preaching a sermon during worship, and we were on the dock by the lake. It was this beautiful setting. And I have to tell you, I was really on a roll. (laughs) I know y'all are shocked. I was preaching the gospel. I was really into it, and I was leading right up to communion. And I shared how Jesus came to earth and was arrested and killed and a hand shot up. And a young man asked me, wait, why? which was a good question, because together we got to remember all over again that the story of Jesus is revolutionary and that his message of radical forgiveness and grace was and is difficult for people to receive, especially when they feel comfortable with the status quo. It was a good question. You know, I think youth in just about every generation have a reputation for being a little bit rebellious or pushing the boundaries, wanting to question the status quo. And that's great. That's how the world moves forward. So sometimes when I talk with our young people, their questions do center around themes like these, and we have great conversations about what it means to live faithfully and act justly in this world. But honestly, that's just the surface. When we really get to the heart of it, The questions I hear most often sound more like, am I enough? Can I be trusted? Can God be trusted? Do I belong? These are good questions. And they're questions that so many of us are familiar with because we're asking them ourselves. Or because we know the whole creation is groaning under the weight of questions like these. And so the question I want the church, our church and the church universal, the question I want the church to think about is, how does our life and witness as a community of faith answer these questions? How do our worship and our building spaces and the activities we offer and the way we speak to people and the ways we choose to spend our time and give our money, how does our life together answer the deep and real and painful questions of honestly most of our hearts? The thing that I keep coming back to about Jesus' answer to the Sadducees' absurd question 
is that what he says to them, that's not really the answer. He gives a nice, well-reasoned response, sure, but those are just words. The real answer to the question of the resurrection comes three days after Jesus is dead and buried in a tomb. Jesus' answer to the question of life after death is to live it. And this is the second truth that this story offers us, that good answers are lived answers. Regardless of the attitude or motivation behind the questions asked of us, our call as followers of Jesus is to live our life together as a definitive answer to the question, does God overcome death? In the way that we speak honestly and listen to each other with openness. In the way that we allow the stories of our friends and neighbors to change us. In the way that we forgive even when things seem unforgivable in the way that we give generously and welcome strangers and respond to despair with hope, that is how we answer and say, yes, all people are alive to God. Friends, this world is full of questions. Does God overcome death? Am I enough? Can God be trusted? Do I belong? But ultimately, there is just one question that remains for the church. How will we choose to live? Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.